Hi, Court. And hello, Bee Critics fam. Welcome to another episode of the Bee Critics podcast. The Harry Potter era continues with the fourth installment of the Harry Potter movies. And I feel like this one is for the boys. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. (laughs) Not only are we in our Harry Potter era, though, we're also in our growth era. So make sure you help others find the podcast by sharing the podcast, leaving a rating or review on your favorite streaming platform. And then also don't forget to follow and subscribe to us so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. And you can also find the podcast on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, YouTube at Be Critics Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow our Instagram for all the best movie content. Yes, definitely subscribe. But enough of the boring stuff. I think it's time to start talking about Harry Potter. Yes. And like we've been doing, we're going to start with the B Critics Hogwarts House Tournament. So I'll just quickly run through the standings that we had at the end of our last episode. So in fourth place, we have Ravenclaw with 75 points. In third place, we have Slytherin with 90 points. In fourth place, or uh, sorry, in second place is Gryffindor with 130 points. And in first place is Hufflepuff with 150 points. Rigged. It's rigged. <laughs> As a reminder, you can earn points for your house by commenting on this episode on YouTube and telling us what house you're in. Yep. Comment. We'll know if you're cheating. So don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> okay. I think it's time to introduce our guest. Woo. So our guest critic for this episode is Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Welcome back Hi, to the guys. podcast. Hi, Lewis. I know. It's so good to be back. I had a blast the last time. So let's see if we can make this one even better. I think we will because we have a very, very fun topic of a movie to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And it's my favorite of the series. So there's a lot to talk about. Yay. (laughs) So before we really start doing all of that, um, just give a refresher. I know a lot of our audience probably already knows who you are, but go ahead and tell the people who is Lewis, how are you related to the movie industry, and then tell us a little bit about movie of the day. Sure. So I'm Lewis. Uh, I am Movie of the Day on Instagram. Um, I do movie reviews. I just talk about anything film related. I dabble in screenwriting. And um, yeah, I've just been doing this for, I think we're pushing on six months now. So we're going on steady. And um, something quite cool is last week, I just hit my 100th review. So nice little milestone to share with you guys. Very exciting. That's crazy. A hundred <laughs> views in six months. That's insane. Like I said last time, I'm movie of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a busy bee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely check out movie of the day. The posts are incredible. I love mm-hmm. like not only reading them, but just like when they come on my feed, I'm like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you said that last time and it's just so nice to hear because I really do put so much, I probably put more effort into that than I do the actual writing itself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so whenever anyone's like, oh, your posts are so nice, I'm like, yes, tell me they are. <laughs> the writing <laughs> probably comes like effortless, right? Like because you have so much to say about the movies. So then the harder part is the aesthetic. At least I can relate to that. (laughs) Definitely, yeah, 100%. Okay, so we have a few questions. Oh, well, before we get into our questions, would you like to introduce the movie that we're talking about today? 
I would. So today we're going to be talking about the fourth Harry Potter film, which is The Goblet of Fire. And this is the one that I like to say is where all the dudes have a really weird haircut for some reason. Um, and there's also a magic <laughs> wizard tournament. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> I feel like the haircut is like an American thing. Like that's what Americans looked like in 2004. <laughs> to me, it's they just did. like, they're like, how do we show that they're going through puberty? Oh, we'll give them long hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. So, Lewis, let's ask you a few questions now. So, we want the audience to like understand you better from a Harry Potter perspective mm -hmm. and who you are as a wizard. So, are you a longtime supporter of the Harry Potter series? What is your relationship to Harry Potter? Sure. So I've been a Harry Potter fan, literally, I can't remember not being one. So we're going quite far back. Um, I remember reading the books in school. And I remember watching the films uh, in the cinema. I've been I think I've watched all of them from Prisoner of Azkaban onwards. Um, and it's something that stayed as a big part of my life forever. Uh, it's been a big way me and one of my brothers have bonded, because he's like the biggest Potterhead you'll ever meet in your life he probably watches the films like once a month i'm not even joking all of them oh my god <laughs> yeah month. once a month honestly so yeah harry potter has been a huge part of my life uh it was actually filmed not that far from where i live i know a couple of people who even worked on the movies i even went to america to do uh the harry potter at universal so yeah i'm quite the potterhead i'd say <laughs> Well, I am also quite the Potterhead, so we'll get along <laughs> quite well on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, my my mom read all these books to me when I was a kid, so they're like really important to me. And she read them in a British accent, which is fun. No um, way! That's actually yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my family always called me Hermione growing up because I was like such a know-it-all about the books. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So the next question that we have for you, oh my God, is potentially the most important question we're going to ask you today. Okay. And that is, what is your Hogwarts house? So I have a question for you before I answer that. <laughs> I okay. want to know what do you think that my Hogwarts house is? Ooh. If you was to take a guess. I think Hufflepuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> what about you, Paul? I, I think Gryffindor. <laughs> so the winner is actually Liz. I am indeed a Hufflepuff. <laughs> wow! <laughs> we love that. Yeah, I could see that. It's the oh, best wow. house, so... I'm outnumbered on this episode. I hate this. <laughs> you are too, yeah. We've got two Hufflepuffs here. Let's go. Yeah. yeah Hufflepuffs I'm are the a best. Norm. Like, I, you can't tell me otherwise. I can see that, to be honest. And I can see Liz <laughs> being a Hufflepuff too. So it's clearly they, the sorting hat knows what it's doing. You do get our pats, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Cutie. All right, Lewis, next question. At Hogwarts, each student is permitted one animal, either an owl, a cat, or a toad. So what animal friend would you have at Hogwarts? Ooh. <laughs> it's going to have to be an owl. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. I do like cats, but 
birds are so much cooler. And frogs, I just feel like too much hassle. And they're not very fun. I mean, what can you do with a frog? Yeah, toads are kind of nasty. <laughs> yeah, like they give you yeah. warts and stuff. So I'll stick with the owl. <laughs> okay. And then the last one we have before we start talking about the movie is who would your magical mentor be at Hogwarts? Who would my magical mentor be? Like, so like someone at the school to like guide me along my way? Mm -hmm. Honestly, any adult in the film. Yeah. Do you know what? I have a really big liking for Professor Lupin. So I think I'm going to have yeah. to go with him. Yeah, He's that's great. who I say too. Oh, no way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he's such a he's like fabulous teacher. character. Yeah, he's so cool. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with him. All right. Are we ready to start talking about Goblet of Fire? Oh, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Hogwarts. A very exciting and important event is occurring at the castle, the Tri-Wizard Tournament. The tournament is open only to those over 17 years of age, but somehow Harry Potter, a boy of merely 14, has been entered. Not only is he entered, but his name is pulled during the champion ceremony. What is supposed to be three champions becomes four. A series of three extremely dangerous and challenging tasks ensues, along with a dance, and oh yeah, the Death Eaters are up to something. At the end of the Triwizard Tournament, a Triwizard Champion will be named with a massive celebration, but of course that can't happen this time. As it turns out, a student has been murdered, and Lord Voldemort is the murderer. But the real question is, how did Harry's name get in that cup? How exactly did Harry come to be face-to-face -face with the Dark Lord? And who has been meddling with the Triwizard Tournament? I love the mystery in this particular <laughs> story. It's so good because, like, you don't know who put his name in the cup. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I just remember, like, reading these books and being, like, so just like, who the heck is it? <laughs> Could have been it anyone. <laughs> It's really interesting, too, because the director, he said when he was making this film that he wanted to make it like an Alfred Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock thriller with that mystery mm -hmm. element. And I kind of see it a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the mystery is definitely fun and props to anyone who figured it out before the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this movie is two hours and 37 minutes long, came out in 2005. It. Its budget was 150 million and its box office was 896 million. So, pretty respectable within mm -hmm. the series. Um, and then we get another new director in this movie. The curse of the director of the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> yeah. So, we get this guy, uh, Mike Newell. Newell. And this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well,. Okay, so they asked Alfonso Caron to like keep directing and he was like, you're literally asking me to produce, like finish production on Prisoner of Azkaban and start directing the next movie like at the same time. So he was like, nah, I can't do that. So they had to get somebody new and they got this guy who before this movie was known for a couple movies I have never heard of. Lewis as our resident British person, maybe you have. But Four Weddings and a Funeral and yeah. Donnie Brasco from the 90s. Yeah, I know both, actually. <laughs> <sighs> and then there's going to be then, quite a few questions for you, Lewis, considering there's some very interesting like 
British things that happen in this movie. So oh, it's a good thing you picked a British guy to come on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and then since then, he's directed not a whole lot, but one of the movies is Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. <laughs> that was not a good movie. No. <laughs> so I he say knows all this guys. Wow. <laughs> How bad. did this man get picked <laughs> to direct such um, an amazing franchise? Oh my god! Um, also, he never read the book. Just throwing that out there. It's not looking good for him. I feel like we're going to have a lot to like talk smack about this dude. <laughs> it's not looking good. Not no, looking good. No, it's not. <laughs> This is also the first movie where we don't get a John Williams score. So we have a score by Patrick Doyle, who I think you can tell too. Like from the beginning, you can tell. I agree. Just the way it sounds. I didn't even know that, to be honest. That's so bad. I didn't know that. Oh, dear. I'm a fake fan, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's like not the most important thing that happens in this movie, though. So true. We'll give you a pass. Yeah, yeah, but I noticed it, so it's kind of not good. But I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's not horrible. There's some really positive moments of it with like some of the more emotional points in the film, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about that. And then we get a couple new notable cast members. So number one is Robert Pattinson, who plays Cedric Diggory. We need to take a moment and talk about Robert Pattinson because I am in love with this man. Never met him, but I'm in love with like every character he's ever played. Um, <laughs> I so okay. Fun fact: this movie was Robert Pattinson's first movie that he ever starred in. Oh wow! Really? And yes, I Courtney already knows this, but Lewis, this is new to you. Mm-hmm. I know Robert Pattinson from his American movies, so I know him with an American accent. And I I have seen this movie on more than one occasion and have never like picked up on the fact that he has a British accent until like this time. <laughs> Obsessed. Obsessed. His voice is even better in his native accent. Like big fan. Big fan of Robert Pattinson. Lewis, I'm not making this up. When we were recording the Twilight series, I made a comment that Robert Pattinson was British. And Liz was like, wait, what? <laughs> that girl. That's so, please don't tell me you're, you know him from Twilight. He's been in some other things. He has, I yeah. Like. <laughs> I like. But like, yeah. was your first introduction Twilight? Probably. That's so funny. Do you know what though? Like, I need to quickly mention this, but ever since I saw Twilight and then I go back and watch this film mm-hmm. I can never get over the first time you see him is when he jumps out of the tree and I just I always <laughs> think in my head hold on spider monkey <laughs> you know <laughs> oh so my god mad. I love that <laughs> <laughs> I saw so something good. online that was like all the Twilight haters get to see like Edward die in this movie <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that's, that's great so morbid <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he looks good in this movie, too. I feel like this is like a peaking time for mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. How old he is they did movie. smooth over all of their faces, like, in post-production. So, because all the kids had acne, because they're <laughs> literally going through puberty. And so they smoothed over all their faces. That's why That's, they all look so good. Is that actually true? Yes. That's yes. insane. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's crazy. I know. Imagine the body dysmorphia that would give you. <laughs> as, like, yeah. No wonder Daniel Radcliffe went on to become an alcoholic, honestly. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Wait, did he really? Yeah, did you not know that? He was like a he become like a proper drinker. Like he'd turn up at a set drunk and everything, like come half blood prince onwards. Oh, no. oh my god, wait. Oh, We're shattering this like glass wall in my life. <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't known that. But they're all perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we get a so we get a couple other new characters <laughs> moving on from that horrible news. Um, <laughs> Brendan Gleason plays Mad Eye Moody, the Or. And then David Tennant plays Barty Crouch Jr. And then probably most importantly, we get Ralph Fiennes, who plays Lord Voldemort in this movie. Mm -hmm. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I think this movie got right is casting. Um, David Tennant, maybe not so much. And maybe that, that might have more to do with like the way they had him portray Barty Crouch Jr. Um, But Voldemort casting on point. That's something I think all of the Harry Potter films done really well. The casting I do is pretty much perfect, I would say, throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. in this film, like Mad Eye Moody, just I'm all for that. Amazing. Yes. yes. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to get into talking about the movie? Let's go. Do it. Okay. <laughs> So this movie had another long period of time where it was shot. It was shot from June 2004 to March 2005. That's a long time of shooting. Yeah, it is a long time. Um, And we have another shift in the cinematography a bit because we have a new director and, you know, the books are getting longer. So this one, we get this like balance between – whimsy and funny and ominous and then there's also like honestly there's some scary moments Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point um and then we also have just like a much larger emotional range in this movie because the kids are getting older stuff is getting darker we're dealing with like teenager emotions kind of all over the place so it's interesting to see that kind of come to life on screen Mm-hmm. They did a lot too, um, especially in like post-production, just like every part of like from start to finish when you put the disc in your DVD player to when you turn it off at the end, they did little things like the most notable one is when the Warner Brothers logo comes up, you know how it's got the like sheen mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. like a mirror almost, you can see Nagini slithering past in the oh, reflection, cool. which is cool. Yeah, they just did like little things that made it like, like part of the world. Like the whole movie is part of the world, not just yeah, that's like cool. To me, this one is the one that feels the most like magicy. I know that's like a really mm-hmm. bad way to explain it, but the whole setup is based around like a magic tournament. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it really lent itself to really tapping into the the whimsical side of of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like it so much because it just does feel just bonkers and wild and magic-y and just, I don't know. With the teen angst stuff too, 
it's it's almost like arguably the first ever like teen angst movie about wizards <laughs> yeah it's definitely the most exciting one like so far up until this point this is the fourth movie like it's definitely the most exciting and engaging like mm-hmm. start to finish two hours yeah. and however many minutes like engaged the whole time yeah liz you said this one is for the boys earlier but mm-hmm. i think that that comment references just that it's there's a lot more action in this movie yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's exciting for what typically would be a guy who likes like an action movie kind of thing. Yep. I see that. It, I, what I would recommend to you two is go and hunt out like some early to mid 2000s, like British coming of age angsty movies <laughs> and then come back and watch this film and you'll really see what they were going for. And it will make okay. the whole experience that much funnier. You'll have to send us a list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll send you a list and then just go back and watch it. You'll be like, oh my God, he was so right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think the comedy in this one quite hits like the in-betweeners or something like that. So I don't know. I thought there was some funny parts. I was laughing. <laughs> I think it's really cheesy comedy in all the honesty. Insults, the insults <laughs> are so good. They're not the they're terrible. Not a right foul git. You're like, oh my god! It's like this is where the British stereotype comes from. Yes. Everyone else has just watched Harry Potter <laughs> and thinks that that's how we talk. I love it. <laughs> so, this movie, in terms of plot, is where we start to get just like way too much plot from the book to fit into a film. I mean, Mm -hmm. this film is not the longest in the series, but it's not short by any means. Um, And so because of that, it's really interesting to see like what is cut and what is changed. And in my opinion, like this has to be so challenging for the writers and and the director to like Mm -hmm. decide what to cut and what to keep and like how to make the story make sense really. Mm-hmm. I did see that originally it was supposed to be a two-part movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were going to have I mean, like two full fe- feature-length films for this movie, and then they made the executive decision to chop it down into one movie. Yeah. Well, so, the, so that was before they started filming it then, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's really interesting. Yeah, they did it a complete a and total rewrite before they started filming. Wow. I mean, and, the, were they the first, I, from my knowledge, right, the, the last one was like the first two-part we've ever had of films, no? Yeah, I don't know. I think so. I think it I started ever, because yeah. after that is when like Hunger Games Franchise and Twilight yeah. ended up splitting the last book. Yeah, which I love. If I can get more the content same. of the series that I like, like, please. <laughs> I think yeah. the only thing is, though, it is it can be challenging because especially if the first half of the book, say, is very set up heavy, mm-hmm. you then end up with the case, say, with the Hunger Games, for example, where the first part is there isn't really anything going on. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how do you entice an audience to sit through that, wait a year mm-hmm. and then come back a second time? But I do feel like this story from the get go is actually it's quite fast paced. There's a lot going on and there's a lot of interest and stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So I do think doing it as a two part, I would have been actually quite smart, but then I wonder where would they cut it? Because it doesn't feel like 
there is a good place to split it down the middle, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like you could have maybe split it like after the first after the task. Yule ball or something. After the ball, actually, that quite after makes the ball. sense. Yeah. 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 Because there's a lot that they, I mean, I haven't read the books, um, but just from what I've seen online, there's a lot that they uh, omitted from the plot that could have filled a, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's a ton of like characters that they full on cut from this movie mm-hmm. and subplots that were omitted. Um, just to name a few, there's a character named Ludo Bagman who is just like completely eliminated from this movie. Um, there is supposed to be an entire subplot with the house elves. So Dobby is supposed to be like heavily in this movie along with a house elf named Winky. (laughs) Winky. (laughs) Not in the movie. And then Percy is supposed to be in this movie. I had something Um, to say about Percy. So the actor who plays Percy, his contract with the studio was for four films. And he mm-hmm. had a much bigger part to play in the fifth film. And so that's why he was like, no, I don't need to be in this fourth one. I would rather be in the fifth one and make more money. So that's what happened with Percy's character. Fair, but I guess. He, he really could have had a lot in this movie because what's supposed yeah. to happen is that like Barty Crouch is like going through a lot. And so Percy fills in for Crouch. So you get more mm. Percy and less Barty Crouch. Is Percy and that much older? Percy is graduated from school at this point. Doesn't right? he marry Flip? No, that's another brother. That's Bill, oh, the okay. oldest brother. There's so yeah, many. Percy. <laughs> Percy's a little shit, so he doesn't marry Floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, we get a lot of so because of that, they end up like changing some of the storylines especially with Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch Jr. And like they basically like eliminate characters and condense that storyline a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll be interested like as we go through this to see Liz, like how you interpreted what happened because it's kind of similar to the last one where they don't really explain what happened. They just like leave it to somebody who's read the books like you could – read between the lines and know what happened and i just mm-hmm. wonder if you like what questions you have about all of that so that'll be fun to talk about <laughs> um i think what some of this did when because they cut a lot of the storyline is it it created like huge time jumps within the movie and also some like weird line delivery that's like made without a lot of context to the the subplots that you get in the book um so yeah i see that it does feel a bit choppy especially if you've read the books i think yeah you notice like oh that doesn't necessarily fit there because you don't have all of this context or backstory to go with it and it's for people that haven't read the books, I'm also interested to hear how Liz, when you watched it, if things made complete sense or did you have to go looking stuff up afterwards mm-hmm. and what whatnot? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about some of these new characters and subplots that we get. First of all, we get Mad Eye Moody, 
who has a very interesting entrance into the film as he enters the great hall. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> I like him too. I think From the he's get-go. amazing. <laughs> he yeah, was I so think he's well too. portrayed. He played this like weirdo, like weird, weird person, <laughs> which like you find out later on that he's weirder than he probably actually was because he's somebody else portraying a weird person. So they probably overdid mm-hmm. it. But like, man, I just loved him. I was like, <laughs> I <be> friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked him. Did you he trust also- him? Yeah, because Harry does. Yeah. Harry, like, immediately trusts Mad-Eye Moody. And so there's no reason that, like, the audience wouldn't trust him. Yeah, But but I do feel like there is a few things that they drop in there that make it seem like maybe he's not who he says he is. Because he does, like, the whole thing with the unforgivable curses. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's a red flag if I've ever seen one. But also, like... So, like, you have the backstory of the whole Wizarding World just went through this horrific scenario at the, like, Quidditch World Cup or whatever, Mm. where the Death Eaters come and destroy the whole camp. And so, like, as the audience, you're looking at this and you're like, wow, this is, like, really bad. But also at the same time, these kids need to know, like, what's about to happen in their world and understand, like how these curses can be used against them, like can and will be used against them kind of thing. No, I do get that. It's just something I always think with all of the Harry Potter films is they very much pick and choose when it's okay to put the kids in danger or not. Like there's some stuff that they make them do and it's like, what? (laughs) And then like in the next next scene, there'll be something nowhere near as bad. They're like, no, 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 no. And it just makes, like, no sense. It's like, make your mind up. Like, are we going yeah. all in or are we not? I did make a note when he does the Avada Kedabra on the little um, scorpion thing mm-hmm. that it's, like, awfully close to Hermione Granger's face. Do you know like, what I mean? Like, uh, imagine if she had a sneezed and, like, bent forward or something yeah. and then she's just dead. Like, yeah. how like, do you explain you, that? Exactly. <laughs> Literally. Well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one um, thing that... <laughs> oh, go ahead, Liz. I was just going to say one of my favorite lines like surrounding Mad-Eye Moody is like when the kids first interact with him and he's like set the – when he walks in, you you know he's bad because mm-hmm. the great hall starts storming and he has to like appease the great hall. And mm-hmm. then they see him like drinking out of this flask and they're like, what do you think he's drinking? And Harry goes, I don't know, but I don't think it's pumpkin juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just made me think, like, is pumpkin juice a thing in the UK? Or, like, are they just, like, what is that? Because we don't have pumpkin juice in the US. No. <laughs> <laughs> so from my understanding, um, <laughs> nobody drinks pumpkin juice okay, at okay. all. <laughs> Pumpkins are not really a thing other than, like, for Halloween. I think it's just, like... Um, pumpkins you know they're like spooky related right like mm-hmm. you relate them to halloween witches whatever so i feel like it was just kind of it made sense to the world mm-hmm. that's kind of what i took from it yeah because like there's so many pumpkin things like pumpkin pasties <laughs> and everything it's like <laughs> yeah, who's buying this pumpkin. stuff in <laughs> yeah. real life like that sounds <laughs> disgusting really 
Yeah. I don't like squash, so I can't imagine that I would like pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I have tried pumpkin juice when I did the Harry Potter <laughs> stuff, though, and it was disgusting. So. Oh, my gosh. Would Trader Joe's has a lot of, like, pumpkin-themed food right now, and they had uh-huh. pumpkin ravioli, and it was actually really good. Oh, okay. So, that yeah, sounds horrible. Like but... You have Trader Joe's, Lewis? We don't, but I have been to Trader Joe's many okay. a times, and I love it. Really? It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. <laughs> cool. It's one of my fave places. One thing that they um, cut from the movie, which is probably fine that they cut it, but Mad-Eye, during the school year, would put students under the Imperious Curse and try to get them to like break through it, basically. And Harry was like able to break through it. So I feel like the unforgivable curse scene is like the tamest of the things that he does in the book that they shared. Well, he also turns Malfoy into a ferret. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah, he does. Do <laughs> Shoves it down someone's <laughs> trousers. <laughs> like, how is that? Allowed? He didn't get in trouble. McGonagall was just like, "We do not use transfiguration as a punishment." And like, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably because she's like Malfoy deserved it. He's a bit of a dick, and so <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did deserve. He it. did deserve it. They're all in the staff room, just like, did you see what mad I did to Draco the other day? <laughs> oh my god, I think he's wrong. I think he won't last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a little shit. Okay, um, <laughs> so the next subplot that I want to talk about is the whole like Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch Jr. subplot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get this in Barty Crouch Jr. for some reason is in the opening scene of the movie when like Harry's dreaming of um, the keeper, Frank, and he goes into the house and he sees Wormtail and Barty Crouch Jr. is there. But we get bits of Barty Crouch Jr. like all throughout the movie. and yeah, and then we also get the pensive moment when we get some backstory from the first Wizarding War and the trials that um, we get the trial with Karkaroff in the movie. Wait, okay. This could be my um, don't worry, darling moment, but I mm. thought that that dream that Harry sees like comes into play later in the series. Does it not? Mm. Oh, you're making me think now. Isn't there like a whole situation? It doesn't. No, I don't think so. Okay, I made it up then. I thought that like later on in the series, like Harry like actually walks in on that situation. But I could have completely made that up. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Hmm. And the scenes changed quite a lot from the book too. Because like you said... There's like characters that weren't there. And also Nagini the snake is in the film and not in the book if I'm correct in thinking. I think so. Nagini um, adds a lot. Like adding her in like makes her intriguing and you're like, all right, what's going on with this snake? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think Nagini is in parts of it, but unsure. I know that Barty Crouch Jr. isn't there. That's just mm-hmm. added for like the movie to like build the mystery, I guess, which I feel like mm-hmm. it gives it totally away. Um It does. Yeah, 100%. It spoils the twist, I think. Yeah, but you don't yeah. know who he is until the end of the film. Like because they don't explain it at all. Yeah. You mm. don't know who that guy is until he goes into the pensive 
and sees the trial. Like you don't know that that's Barty Crouch Jr. He's just some like random Death Eater servant of Voldemort up until that point. Yeah, but I feel like they, although he's not in it that much, and I do think they wasted David Tennant in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. When he is in it, they make I feel like they go out of their way to be like, this guy is important. You need to like pay attention to this dude. Mm-hmm. So then that makes up for the fact that they don't explain nothing. And then at the end, they're like, surprise. You know, Liz, so. she's a bad guy. The- <laughs> did you pick up on the fact that he was the one who conjured the dark mark at the, ter- at the Quidditch World Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting that Harry didn't say, because Harry very obviously saw this man's face. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that Harry didn't tell anyone. He didn't even tell Sirius that it was the same guy from his dream. Like that's true. He didn't actually. tell anybody. And then, like, even when he Uh-oh. has the whole like thing with the pensive and figure out figures out like who he is, he still didn't say anything. Like that's nobody true. knows that Barty Crouch Jr. was the one that set off the dark mark. At the- he does tell Dumbledore at one point in the movie, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure, so. yeah, because Dumbledore was like, oh, I'll look into it or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he goes. But then again, like, nothing comes from it. And it's, he should have just, like, used the pensive to look at his dream. And then it would have all been sorted out. Yeah. 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 Oh, the silly wizards. They don't use their so, magic when they need to. I feel like Dumbledore didn't want to know. Like, he wanted oh, okay. so badly for it not to be an issue mm-hmm. because. Who I think Harry tells Dumbledore about his dream, and Dumbledore's like, "You should just cast it away." Like, yeah, see, hate that. That's not what Dumbledore would say. Just gonna throw that out there. Like, that is just like so off character. (laughs) I think there's so many interactions that they take from the book, and specifically around this subplot, that are just like totally botched in the movie, and it's Mm -hmm. such a shame because, like, you learn so much in this movie. For example, you learn in the pensive that Snape is a was a former Death Eater, and they just completely gloss over that fact. Like also, no, like the headmaster of the boys' school. Yeah, Karkaroff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that they, and that Neville Longbottom is also an orphan, like Harry. <laughs> huge, huge plot because they never explain Neville's backstory. Like in a, I think in a proper way we mm-hmm. i just that's the only that's backstory you ever get <laughs> i know i know a poor um, boy and they're mean <laughs> to him they are they make fun of him they stupefy him they do all these things and you're like damn y'all are picking on this kid who's had a rough life <laughs> i know i it's know awful harry can handle it okay leave neville alone <laughs> Yeah, Harry seems so. to be able to just take anything on the chin, and it makes no sense to me. I'm sorry, but like, like he the gri- pins. Yeah, like he he lived in a cupboard. Like this guy's got to like <laughs> be pretty untrusting and like a miserable guy. Oh. And then as soon as he finds out he's a wizard, the entire time he's just loving life, and it's just it makes me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> when you sit and think about these movies, there is actually quite a lot wrong with them. Yes. Yeah, there are. <laughs> There's plot holes like even from the books that like I think the movies have to deal with a little bit. So (laughs) that's fine. So this uh, and then the next plot that we get is the Triwizard Tournament, which is like the bulk of the plot of the movie. It's like the whole movie. 
Yes, I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me all uh, the so, give me all the trials. <laughs> I want to spend some time talking about the entrances of the schools. Um, we get the the boat and the carriage arriving, and then we also get the students from both Bow Battens and Durmstrang like actually entering into the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have something cool that I told you guys before we started recording, but the pirate yeah. ship that the boys school coming on uh, my friend actually did the concept art for that that is so, so cool. cool yeah so, so she designed it all and... <laughs> <laughs> i know it's so cool she did quite a lot of concept art for this movie especially so like i've seen actual original like stuff that they then went to use to make the actual uh, art for the movie and it's so so cool the That's talent amazing. is amazing all the yeah. lore that you have in your brain is just very neat. <laughs> the ship Thank is you. cool coming from the lake because it makes you realize like that there's so much more to the wizarding world than mm-hmm. just Hogwarts. You're like, okay, like that ship came through the lake. How exactly did that happen <laughs> kind of thing? And then it's like beached and they have the ball in it. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, I yeah, don't know why do. that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I will um, say it now, though. I'm not a fan of the the whole dancing shenanigans when they come into the Great Hall. Oh, I love oh, it. Like their entrances. I love yeah, it. I think, I think it's so it's cheesy. Totally unnecessary. <laughs> it's like pomp it's and circumstance. I love it. <laughs> it's like, like, bring it, bring it on. <laughs> I but, feel like. like why- do the Durmstrang boys like have these staffs that they're like beating to the music? Like, <laughs> yeah. what in the world? It just it's looks cool. so silly. It's cool. It's silly. <laughs> and they do flips, and their flips aren't even that cool. They're like doing like a half <laughs> cartwheel. I'm like, boy, like learn how to do something neat. You're magical for Christ's sake. I think they're kind of doing like break dancing ish, but. Yeah, but I, it's Harry Potter. It's not Step Up. You know what I mean? Oh, I love it. Oh, <laughs> I love this whole thing. The Bowbatten girls. Like, I want to be a Bowbatten girl. Like, oh, their entrance why was do they worse, do I think. The shot of their butts. Like, they're yeah! yes. Literally. Yes. And then Ron just like gawking at it. And it's like. <laughs> what is that all about? It's like, oh, yeah, they're going through puberty. We need to keep like pointing at this. <laughs> One like, thing that they never that. explain in the oh, movies no. is that the Bow Battens girls are actually part Vila, which is something that they introduce in the Quidditch World Cup is like the concept of Vila, which is like these women that like men can't help but like goggle over. So that is mm-hmm. like sort of accurate to the books, but it is it's kind of weirdly placed because there's no like explanation behind it in the movies other than that the boys it. are going through puberty. <laughs> Yeah, where they just like sexualize these kids that are between the ages of 11 and 17 like yes <laughs> yeah not good not a but fan i do of like the color bit. i like the satin i like their little hair things i like the butterflies i'm like a fan of it all i like their headmistress yeah madame yes. maxime mm-hmm. yeah i agree that's the thing like the the costumes and like the whole production design of it always is top notch mm-hmm. but then they just ruin it with like the silly dances so 
Agreed. I'm sorry. I like that they carry it through the whole tournament. Like Fleur is wearing the blue color and like everything mm -hmm. she wears is very, very feminine. And it's like super contrasted with what Cedric and Harry wear. And then also mm -hmm. Crumb, like like they it's all like very it makes sense that their costumes or their uniforms, I guess, for the tournament would be the way they are because of mm -hmm. where they go to school. Yeah. That's a I good liked point. It a lot. Crumb Where is, like is it such that a bonehead in this movie? <laughs> he is. He's so two-dimensional, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is, and he's supposed to be so interesting. Crumb. Yeah. 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 They have that weird moment where Hermione says that, like, their relationship is physical, and I'm like, gross, she's gross. fourteen. Like, Literally. she doesn't know what that means. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know he's just supposed to be like shy and so he only talks to her like after like because the library is like more empty so he isn't yeah. like surrounded by all the girls fangirling on him yeah they don't explain that part of him he just is like this like jockey airhead guy yeah, like mm -hmm. a grunt, like a group. I don't know if that's the right word. Just like, rah, 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 like <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really get a lot of like good dialogue at all. Honestly, no. he has like probably what ten words like the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> one of them being his um, attack on Rita Skeeter, where he says like yeah. this tent is for champions and friends, and friends. of champions and friends. She's yeah, like, never mind. Doesn't even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rita Skeeter is my feel about... least favorite character. Yeah, she's the worst. Yeah, she is. And then, then do you know what? They never explain how she just keeps getting the stories in this one. Because she's yeah, like obviously don't. banned from the grounds, isn't she? And she's just still getting yeah. all this stuff. I don't know. See, that's never, never explained explain either. That. They never say anything. I just assume she's just like around. Like she's just like a so, normal reporter. In the books, you learn that she's an animagus and she can turn into a fly. So she can fly in and like be a fly on the wall during conversations. And then Hermione actually figures this out and traps her in a bottle and then threat <gasps> Hermione is such a, a badass in the books and they she make is. her like that this like would have been follower such a girl in the movies for them to include. Yeah. And she threatens Rita Skeeter in the movie in, in the books. And she's like, and she also uses her to like write a good article about harry i'm pretty sure she's like we we they catch her and then they blackmail her <laughs> this is why that's we need so this, fantastic a six hour version we need it all <laughs> that's why i'm saying I, that the hbo series better be like so good because if they were to cut this that's plot so cool like cool. they're doing a better. season per book though aren't they so give yeah. me 10 hours like our episodes yes yes, yes. and that, that's the thing like it, it's hard because you need to fit the book and the books get longer in two hours. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is JK Rowling, she wrote so much rich lore and history and she put so much detail into the tiniest of things. Do you know, she has like a reason for everything and a spell for everything. And I do think yeah. a lot of that gets lost in the movies because they just don't have the time. Yeah, it's and hard. It is to a put real it all big in. shame. It's I okay. will say there's one scene with Rita Skeeter that I really, really liked. Okay. And it's the scene um, where she's like taking um, like a 
comment from Harry or whatever, and she keeps saying that he's twelve, a boy of merely twelve, yeah. and he's like, I'm fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, scratch that. <laughs> yeah, I think with the time that they allot to her, they do a good job in that moment of like effectively getting across that like she is just totally writing falsities about she's all of these characters. She's yeah, she's like a gossip columnist. Have you guys yeah. heard the theory that um, she's actually the person who wrote the Harry Potter books because she got banned from the Wizarding World and wrote about like the story of Harry Potter? That's kind of cool. Yeah, That's I, funny. I, I, someone obviously just made it up, but it's like it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, people are so creative. I know. Okay, let's do a quick check in with the trio in this film. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about them, um, and we also mentioned why is their hair so long? The I boys. love the long hair. I I love it. I think they're all like peak, like what you would expect them to look like at this age. Because after this movie, no. they start looking old. Like they start like turning into teenagers, and you see them in this movie, yeah. and you're just like, yeah, like this is what I looked like when I was fourteen. <laughs> their hair just looks so silly. It's like um, Steve That's what from the boys Stranger here Things like, hair. Okay? <laughs> and right now they all have mullets, which is terrible. <laughs> so bad. Uh, just I don't know. But it, the thing is, if they had stuck with that hair, mm-hmm. I could get behind it. Mm-hmm. But it's like the only film where they have their hair like yeah. that. Yeah. And it just like it looks, it just doesn't fit, and it just it triggers me so much. Honestly, <laughs> like every time it I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is actually ridiculous. <laughs> Especially Ron, it's so long. <laughs> yeah, just... I love it. I love it. Okay, oh, Lewis, silly. We need to do. We do this every episode because Liz loves Ron. That's my favorite character. Do, <laughs> we need to do a Ron temperature check. So. How do you feel about Ron in this movie? In this particular movie, in this particular movie, I'm not going to lie, I think he's a bit of a dick. Like, <laughs> I think he is a bit jealous that, like, Harry's getting all the limelight. And yeah. and there's, like, the whole thing with, like, the dragon, for example. I'm going to use this because this is the thing that annoyed me the most. He could have helped Harry because his brother or his cousin or whatever was a dragon tamer. Mm-hmm. And he just is like to Hermione and making her like do all the talking. And he's just like being all weird and mm-hmm. just like being a little brat, basically, is yeah. my is how I feel about him in this film. And it felt so out of character because like in the three films beforehand, he's kind of just like the dopey sidekick who like just kind of follows Harry around and is just like there for comic relief sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, it's almost like he's decides finally he's gonna try and not be like that and it just seems so out of place yeah we get that I, line. I love wrong we get the line in the comp or in the um dormitory where he's like piss off to harry i was just about to say that yeah and it's just like all right calm down mate yeah so i feel sad. like that's like a little bit out of character for him because he mm-hmm. was he was angsty like all of that is true but i just it was so over the top, like every bit of like teen drama in this movie. I feel like part of Ron, and I'm standing up for him here because, again, he's my favorite character. I feel like part of that was he had his feelings hurt 
because he felt like Harry like went behind his back and put his name in and just like didn't mm-hmm. tell him where like in reality if that's what Harry was going to do like Ron he would have included Ron exactly like, and that it makes yeah. no sense like you yeah. you've known this dude for three years and they're not just like normal friends they're like they, they've gone through some shit you know yeah. like and it's just like, and for him to all of a sudden turn around and be like, oh, you've gone behind my back. It's just mm-hmm. like, how does that make any sense to like your relationship? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he doesn't ever really apologize. Like, no, no. He like half, half apologizes, but then like kind of makes it Harry's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then... Which is kind of relatable. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> and so, okay. So, not only do we get Harry and Ron fighting for half of this movie, but we just get uh-huh. like so much teenage love, Drama. emotions, angst. And you see it when you see it with like Fred and George and Harry and Ron. There's so much like teasing. Um, you see it with the Harry and Ron drama. And then you also see it when like Ron is picking fun at Hermione. And as soon mm-hmm. as like Harry gets back on good terms with Ron, he like picks, he keeps sides with Ron and doesn't like defend Hermione. And mm-hmm. it's so like, it's just what I think you'd imagine with real 14 year olds, you'd be like, y'all mm-hmm. are being so dumb. Like, just communicate. Poor Hermione. She probably should have told them that Victor Crumb asked her to the dance. I don't know why she kept that a secret. Um, but Everyone's like, keeping secrets in this film, apparently. Yeah, no. But like, because they tear the like, she shouldn't have just shown up to the ball with this guy, not telling like her best friends who she was going with. That's I kind of feel that way. Like I would kind of understand where they were. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is Ron was such an ass to her. Ron's like obsessed with this guy and she wasn't going to like hold that over him. Like if it was me, I would have been like, well, Victor Crumb asked me to the dance and hell if I'm asking him to give you an autograph. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of feels like what Hermione would have done. And instead she kept it a secret, which he, she probably understood that like he's shy and like didn't really want the spotlight on him. So maybe that's why, but like, I don't know. I feel like Hermione would have used that. Also, though, I don't think Hermione would have gone after, like, that kind of guy. No, I totally agree. It's so out of place. Like, Victor Crumb is not Hermione's style. If anything, Cedric Diggory is way more her style. hmm Yeah, I, I think part of that has to do with the way that they portrayed Crumb in the film. I think they made him like this huge like meathead boy and I like he is supposed to be like really athletic and mm-hmm. like quiet but not really in the way that they portrayed him and so I think that stark contrast like makes you feel this way about Hermione and Crumb because it is mm-hmm. it, it is weird. I agree. Yeah. But Let's the boys like- are obsessed Oh, go ahead. Let's talk about the ball. I want to talk about the ball because I'm like obsessed with the whole, like all of, like the whole thing. Hermione's dress, Ron's robes, like the weird ceremonial dancing, like Mm -hmm. the whole thing, like is just like my kind of content, honestly. Get a wizard mosh pit. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> with the with the little professor like surfing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh 
my god. The ball scene is nice. I definitely think um it helps add to the whole it reminds you that they are at at a school, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and that is like something you would do. But the only thing, my only tiny little nitpick with it is that it's, it's, they have it on Christmas Eve, if I'm remembering rightly. Yep, and yeah. um, in all the other movies, everyone goes home for Christmas, but this time, for some reason, they all don't, and they all stay and have a ball. It's a Triwizard tournament. <laughs> so it's just like, all right, you can't see your families. <laughs> <laughs> You're staying here. Cold. We're going to jump in this lake in the middle of the winter. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, magic. I'm sure they'll like make some heat protection or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So silly. But yeah. Yeah, I think they use the ball in this film really to like drive the all the teenage angst in the movie. Mm-hmm. Have it be like the opposite of all the other dark stuff that's going on. Um, and they use it to like propel the plot lines of like Harry's crush on Cho and mm-hmm. Ron asking Floor to the ball, which is hilarious. Oh my god, I loved that. Oh, he's I like white as a ghost, and they're like, <laughs> "You didn't." And he's like, "It's so much worse than you think." <laughs> That's probably my favorite line he says in the whole movie, and everyone's just <laughs> crowded around him, and it's like he just watched someone die. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like Ginny in this scene too. I think she's pretty funny. She, yeah. yeah, she gets a bad rap in this whole series, though. I just want to highlight that. Oh, I'm gonna trash talk her really hard when we get to <laughs> the prince. That's for sure. I bet. Okay. Yeah, that's. It's not totally her fault, but they shouldn't have cast her. <clears throat> just saying. She's too. She was too young, I think, to know if she would have been good or not, right? Like, she had to have been, like, eight years old when they cast her, so. Yeah, true, actually, because she's younger than them, isn't she? Yeah. No. Yeah, she is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's a year younger than them. All right, are we ready to get into the seven key plot points of the movie? Let's go. Let's do it. Number one, the Quidditch World Cup. Harry, Ron, and Hermione attend the Quidditch World Cup with the Weasley family and witness the match that we actually don't get to see. Ireland versus Bulgaria. It's all fun and games until after the match when Death Eaters bombard the campsite and the dark mark is conjured in the sky. And no one does anything. Just want to put that out there. What are they going to do? Well, there's like, how how many people are at that stadium, do you reckon? There's like a million people, right? Well, they even bring up, like, where was the security? Yeah, and it's like, there's a couple of Death Eaters and a million wizards, and no one's like, there's a million of us. Maybe if we, you know, fling some spells, we might be able to beat these three dudes. And they all just run away and let them set it on fire. Yeah. I don't know. The more I'm talking about this film, the more I'm like, maybe this isn't going to be my favorite one anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't do anything to explain, like, how the heck Barty Crouch got there, how he mm-hmm. escaped from Azkaban, how mm-hmm. he got a wand, like, nothing. Like, he's just there somehow, and you get this moment where, like, Barty Crouch Sr. looks him, like, or he, like, has, like, a knowing look or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's all you get. I would have also loved to have actually seen the the quidditch world cup game because i think like there's so much quidditch in the first couple and then like you have the the biggest quidditch event 
like that there ever would be and you don't show none of it really all you see is the entrance yeah and it's like Mm -hmm. what way to tease a guy Mm -hmm. honestly also harry potter is there and nobody cares (laughs) (laughs) no one cares really celebrity and they're like like you'd think that would be like a plot point that they would bring up and be like oh and harry potter is here and whatever and nobody cares but that seems to be the case in this whole film because there's like the guy from the ministry of magic who starts like having a go at harry potter and and he acts Mm -hmm. like he doesn't even know who he is Mm -hmm. it's like you work for the ministry of magic and you don't know who harry potter is you (laughs) no, that is not happening (laughs) we do get two like pretty cool pieces of magic though like at the beginning of this scene the first one being the port key. Yes. And then oh, the yeah. second one being the like never ending tent that they walk yes. into. And Harry says, like, I love magic. <laughs> <laughs> that is a um, dumb line. It is. And the port key like affects when Mr. Weasley and Mr. Diggory and Cedric like come down like they're like riding a bicycle <laughs> yes. <in> the sky. <laughs> I will say the shot when they are first walking up to the portkey is my favorite shot in any Harry Potter yeah. film. Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's so it's so gorgeously done. Mm-hmm. And their whole and then they the, I think it's here's another thing, right? I'm going to just start ranting about plot holes again now. Why is whenever they use magic, it always seems really inconvenient. It's like, "Oh, we need to teleport to the Quidditch World Cup." So we're going to go into the middle of a random field and look for an old boot. And that's going to get us there. It's like, you couldn't have made this any easier. Like, you're literally a wizard. Yeah, (laughs) well, so that explained to, like, the younger people that, like, how to float down instead of falling. Like, Yeah, and they they smash into the ground completely (laughs) unharmed. Yeah, it would have been a really easy line for them to put in like some sort of explanation from Mr. Weasley of like, hey, the Ministry of Magic has put in a ton of security into this Quidditch World Cup. So what they've done mm-hmm. is they've placed these port keys that look like mangy old boots so that nobody knows how to get into the Quidditch World Cup and that this is why we have to do this. And then that would have- I didn't even ex- notice that. Yeah, that, that would have explained oh, some of the security yeah. around, the cu- around the Quidditch World Cup because- that's kind of one of the elements that they use to like make it so only people who had tickets could get there. And interesting. Yeah, and they never explained it. And it could have been explained in mm-hmm. like a sentence. Like they didn't. And it would add so mean? much to it. Yeah. And it's just yeah. such a crazy oversight. Like as they were walking up, that could have been like what Mr. Weasley yeah. was explaining to them. They had this amazing moment where there was no dialogue, where they could have just stuck a piece of dialogue in and like had that in there. And nope, don't get any of that. But the shot yeah, is cool, so I will much say. much more sense. I, I assumed it was just like a Weasley port key. They're like, this has nope. been in the Weasley family for <laughs> no, and that's why, And that's why they go with the Diggories too, because it's just the one that's closest to their house. And so the Diggories live in the same uh, area. So they go together because they both are just closest to that port key. That makes so much I sense. I completely forgot about that whole thing. And now I feel stupid for... <laughs> Saying that they make life hard for themselves. Yeah, and another thing too is, and I, I don't want this to turn into like the the plot hole podcast because it really could turn into it. Like, <laughs> like they have muggles at the event 
because it's a it's a muggle campground. So they bewitch the muggles to like be the ones at the entrance to be like, hello, welcome to the Quidditch World Cup. And they give them like memory charms. And so when the Death Eaters come in, that's what they're doing. They're taking the muggles and they're doing like spells on the muggles and like traumatizing the muggles. And that's like what's really dark about the Death Eaters because they are like really hateful of like wizard versus non like non-wizard non-magical blood people mm-hmm. that's what's horrible about the death eaters and they don't like let that shine in the movie because they just show them like they just portray them as like evil towards wizarding folk but that's not really the case like that it's that they believe that like there's pure blood wizards and they hate non-magical blood people and this is the sort of care we needed from the director to put Who into the film. didn't read the book. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even catch on that there it was muggles. Like, I had no idea at all. Because they do a poor job of, of like, getting that across. don't explain any of that. Yeah. Well, that would have been, like, so useful for the film. Mm-hmm. And, like, not that hard to incorporate, too. No, again, like, yeah, you could probably do this one, two-second scene. And, like, oh, yeah, like... These are muggles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not even going to get into the whole like fact that Winky is omitted from the scene also, but it's fine. It's well, fine. Dobby and Winky are <laughs> in the scene. They go riding by on the llama. You know how Ginny points and she's like, oh, look, and there's a llama and Dobby and Winky are on the llama. I've never noticed that. Oh, I've never noticed that. <laughs> is this a joke? No. <laughs> You're going to make me go there. watch it and be like, yeah. sucker. No, it's Wait, that's there. crazy. <laughs> Well, why couldn't we get Dobby in this film? Everybody loves Dobby. How hard would it be? I don't love Dobby. I'm. I'm just saying. <laughs> Although I did, I did shed tears when he died. So I'm not that Big heartless. spoiler alert, Holly. If you're listening, stop it. Oh shoot! <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I think that we can spoil anything canon, honestly. Um, yeah. Okay. Also, we, also on the Dobby okay. point, has been all over the internet since it happened. So what, him dying or being like, on the llama? <laughs> dying. <laughs> Not on the llama, because I've never known that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard this. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to find this picture. Why a llama, though? That's like, it could have been, they're like, could have been a magical creature. And they just got a llama. Yeah. Why didn't they That's come on, on a griffin or something? Yeah, I don't, the llama, I don't know. I don't know where the llama came from, but... I, I just yeah, can't believe Dobby that this is real. Winky. It's Dobby and Winky. They're both Dobby on the llama. Dobby and Winky on a llama. I'm Googling this. Here's what Reddit says. Dobby and Winky were cut in Goblet of Fire due to time constraints. However, if you watch carefully in the first campsite scene... Right after Ginny points to something and says, look, you can see two house elves riding on llamas. They go by very fast, so they're hard to see. Could you imagine if that's like an Easter egg in all of the films (laughs) and no one's realized? Dobby and Winky are just like... (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that I know that now and I get to experience that the next time I watch this movie. Oh, I I need to tell my brother about this. He's going to lose his mind. I noticed it. I was like, what the hell was that? And then I Googled it and it's Dobby and Winky. It's so crazy that you noticed that, honestly. That's so But she goes, look. And I was like, what am I looking at? And then this like, like this thing shoots across the screen. And I was like, uh. 
I can't lie though. Like, <laughs> I want to laugh every time you say Winky because, like, I don't think you know what a Winky is. But <laughs> it's, no. it's quite funny. <laughs> we we know what a Winky is. <laughs> oh, oh, good old Joe. Okay. <laughs> Plot point number two: the Goblet of Fire and Champion Selection. So. The students have spent weeks crossing Dumbledore's age line and entering their name into the Goblet of Fire. Bartimus Crouch comes to Hogwarts for the champion's selection. Dumbledore reads the names that are jetted from the cup. One champion from each school is announced, including a surprising fourth, Harry Potter. Harry Potter? <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> Harry, did you enter your name into the Goblet of Fire? And he's like pushes him up against the wall. It's like squaring up to him like he's going to have a fight or something. I know, like manhandling him. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, did you put it in the fire? (laughs) He's like, what was going on? (laughs) Like immediately when that happened, when Dumbledore like hands him the paper with his name on it, I was like, what? Is Harry like 14 in this movie and they are feeding him to the wolves? (laughs) He's like, all right, go ahead. Against these witches and wizards that have been studying for three years on you like that's crazy that's crazy yeah they give him a lot more credit than he deserves like the fact that they think he could have figured out how to do that and then it's also funny how like they treat the goblet of fire like it's a sentient being they're like it makes the rules we can't go against it it's a contract (laughs) it's like bro it's just a fire like what what's the big deal Or just, like, have Harry, like, disqualify himself. Yeah, literally. Just like, right, mate, here's what you're going to do. You're going to box the first task, and we're going to end this film here. Exactly. But no, instead, they're like, endanger your life and the lives of (laughs) everyone at this school while you're at it. (laughs) Yeah, this whole tournament is, like, rough. Like, they do some pretty... When you think about it, they do some really messed up stuff to, like, everyone involved. Mm -hmm. But we can get into that when we get to the actual trials. Also... The handwriting on the note, could they not have just, like, looked at the handwriting to figure out who had written it? True. Because it wasn't Harry's handwriting. No, it wasn't, yeah. But they never even bother to think about that. No, they don't even look at it. They're just like, oh, it is what it is. (laughs) I also find it funny. Oh, go on. You go. No, well, I was just going to say, I like that they add a bit, like, there's a really small moment when Harry or Dumbledore is talking to Fudge and he's like, we have to like end the tournament and Fudge is like, no, like we can't or something. And like, I think I that was a good a ad. Coward or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a good ad because it shows that like Dumbledore does care about Harry, whereas like everything else that they've done to this moment like does not track with that. <laughs> well, obviously too, like if it's obviously been meddled with, like if mm-hmm. there's a fourth name that was pulled out and it happens to be Harry Potter who didn't put his name in, like, yeah. Like it could not only be endangering Harry Potter, but the rest of the students that are in the tournament as well, which we find out that it, it has endangered all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I could you imagine it, if like it just started spewing out like every name and they're like, ah, oh, what are we going to do yeah. now? <laughs> 50 and drink. <laughs> yeah. I wish they had spent like a little bit more time in the film, like on that topic, like trying to figure out who it was and like the mystery around it because. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of happened, and then they just, like, skirted over that fact. Like, nobody was really, Mm -hmm. like, concerned about it anymore. But that was, like, a really big thing that, like, 
that could have been more discovered. And you get bits of it, right, with like the person stealing from Snape's stores and you get the moment with Snape and Karkaroff and they could have done like a little bit more, I think, because there's so many little pockets in the book of times when like there's just a mystery around it. Yeah. Again, they just they glaze over stuff, don't they? Which is a shame. But it's okay. It looks this one's cool. not as bad as the other ones, I think. The only thing that's bad about this is the the Dumbledore line and how I think it totally changes like Dumbledore as a character because he's supposed to like remain calm and even like the toughest of situations and he just like becomes psychotic in this scene <laughs> he does and it's so funny yeah yeah to me like and I didn't read the books but I have heard Courtney you say and then just like on the internet people talking about how it's supposed to be kind of like an aside where Dumbledore like pulls Harry to the side and he's like did you put your name in there like did you do it and Harry yeah. says no, and like that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dumbledore um, believes him. It's much more believable to me than the yelling. Like Dumbledore hate yelling. Yeah, we're yeah. not kind of yelling in general, but <laughs> it doesn't exactly come across as like concerned, does it? It's more so like mm-hmm. pissed off, and it's mm-hmm. if he was concerned, you'd think he'd be like, "Look, did you do it?" Because we can try and work a way to get you out of this. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just like, how could you do this to me? Blah, 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 blah. How could you endanger <laughs> yeah. the lives of the students here at Hogwarts? I wonder if that <sighs> was like a portrayal by Michael Gambon or if that was driven by the directors. I think it was because written in. I think it was written in that that's how he was supposed to yeah, act. Because he, so he does it too. Like when he first pulls Harry's name out, there's like already yelling. Like he's already mm-hmm. concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Which again is so wrong because he just reads it calmly. He's just like Harry Potter, but then he reads it Harry Potter. It's like yeah. windows are shattering and stuff, and yeah. it's like whoa. Yeah. Why did no one else get this treatment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cedric, a Hufflepuff. Like, how is he the name that gets pulled out of the cup? <laughs> you know what I mean? She looks at it. Oh, Hufflepuff. We we we're screwed. We've lost. Yeah. He's up against Crom. <laughs> Oh my god. We'll give 10 points to Hufflepuff and 10 points to Gryffindor for getting picked for the house or for, as excited house for the Triwizard Tournament. And like I have a problem with the fact that Mad-Eye Moody makes a comment about Fleur being like this like hardened wizard girl and then she's like scared. Every time she turns around she's like scared <laughs> of something. Like why yeah. did they portray her that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. She it makes it really she, silly. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she even included? That's yeah, true. I she agree. doesn't really do much in any of the challenges, really, no. does she? Mm-mm. We don't even see her fight against her dragon. Yeah, and then she's like immediately eliminated in the next one. Like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and like she comes back later in the films as like an important character so it is kind of a shame that they like did her a disservice a little bit in this one Mm -hmm. i agree okay plot plot point number three the dragons the champions arrive at the first task of the triwizard tournament it's simple retrieve the golden egg vital for success in the next task from the clutches of a real life dragon each champion picks their dragon foe harry picks last and ends up with the Hungarian Horntail. Of course. 
the one oh, dragon boy. that they mention at all in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were not subtle about that. <laughs> no. But this scene is pretty cool, but deviates a lot from the book. And also, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know, but the original plan for the scene was actually drastically changed. Really? Uh, last minute. Yeah. So originally, the director wanted to have uh, the dragon burn down the entire Forbidden Forest. And there'd be like a big chase scene where Harry's on his broom. But then the like producers were like, the Forbidden Forest is too important so we can't just burn it down yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. and he was like ah oh, shucks <laughs> i mean it could probably grow back pretty quick like there was witches and wizards so no that's such a <sighs> that makes me so angry at mike newell for like or newell or however you say his name be, doesn't even deserve to be known because how could you <laughs> even propose something like that that's wild do you know what i mean it just shows his disregard he's just like <laughs> we ain't doing this crap <laughs> We're doing it my way. (laughs) I actually don't mind that they deviated from the book in this scene and like had the horn tail like get away and then like go to the castle because I think it makes for like a really Mm -hmm. dramatic scene. I think it's it was actually pretty cool. So I don't think like yeah, yeah. I don't think it like detracts a ton plot wise. I think it honestly adds. So I think it's fine that they did that. Hayden did make a comment. He's like, "Who's fixing the roof?" And I was like, hey, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Help. but yeah, instead of destroying the Forbidden Forest, they just destroy the castle, I Hogwarts. guess. <laughs> yeah. And just then there's also things. just like the dead dragon to deal with because it just like falls away, doesn't it? Yeah. Into the... No one's concerned that he killed his dragon. <laughs> yeah, like because dragons dragon. are like so rare, right? Yeah, especially the yeah. Hungarian Horntail, like. Yeah. No one's upset about that. <laughs> and no one intervenes when the dragon breaks loose. They're like, yeah. ah, it might kill him, but, you know, we're just going to sit here, sit and, here. <laughs> and wait and see if he comes back. Like, how boring yeah. for them. Like, they get all hyped to, like, watch some carnage, and then he just flies off. That's, like, all of the tasks, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what's going on in <laughs> any of them. They're so funny. <laughs> At least with this one, we get to see like Harry preparing a little bit and like talking with Moody and like him thinking about like, how are you going to manage this task? Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool to see that part. And and then I think it's cool that they show Moody helping him out because I think that mm-hmm. adds to the mystery point of like, you have to trust Moody in order to be like shocked at the end when you get the reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also adds to that because it's like it all adds into how Moody needed him to win because he needed him to touch the portkey to obviously go to the cemetery mm-hmm. at the end. So it almost makes you trust Moody yourself because you're like, oh, he's helping him out. Mm-hmm. But then there's obviously mm-hmm. all this underlying scheming. Yeah, so. Harry had to be the one that got to the portkey. So he mm-hmm. had to win. Mm hmm. Which is, it's funny because Mo- uh, it's the only task that Moody really helps him with, isn't it? Because he kind of goes off on his own to figure out how he's going to deal with the underwater stuff. But Directly, but he does help him with the other, the second one, but we just don't see him. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so let's get into it. Task number two. Mm-hmm. Two days before the second task, Cedric Diggory gives Harry a tip. Take the egg into the prefect's bathroom and mull it over a bit in the hot water. Harry follows his guidance and quickly learns the second task 
will be to get past the Mer people in the Black Lake and recover what they took. Ron, Hermione, Cho, and Gabrielle. So this task <laughs> is actually my favorite of the three. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. I like the underwater stuff I thought was filmed really well. And I liked mm-hmm. how they show you how each person come up with the solution to breathe underwater. It's so like you yeah. had Kwame as the shark and the jellyfish looking mask thing. And then obviously Harry gets the gilly, gilly weed, is it? Gilly weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which he gets from Neville. And to yes. go to like your point earlier, Moody is the one who gives Neville the book that like leads that, him yeah, to it. the gilly weed. Mm-hmm. A little bit before this, I, I, this is so irrelevant to the film, but I just love this. So you know when he opens the egg the first time and it's just mm-hmm. screaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love the memes. I don't know if you've seen any where people will play like some other random audio over that clip. Yes. yes. <laughs> they, they warm my heart. <laughs> yes, I agree. I thought That's... this one was like the most like messed up of the tasks. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah. like what was the plan if they couldn't rescue all the kids? And how did they get them there? Did they just like drug them? Or did they like go? Here's the deal. We're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna put you in the bottom of the lake. You may or may not get saved. And they were like, "All right, yeah. cool." Like that's what I want to know. Like you're just taking kids and shoving them at the bottom of a lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, they never uh, do a good enough job, I think, of explaining that they get close because mm-hmm. Dumbledore awards Harry second or the judges because of Dumbledore's like persuading. They give Harry second place due to moral fiber. So the whole underwater thing was actually filmed underwater. So it's not a fact. They're actually underwater. They built this giant tank specifically for filming this part of the movie. Um, And they had like a full scuba crew, the cast members that went through this task and we're on screen in this had to go through full scuba training that's Um, so cool and Mm -hmm. daniel radcliffe actually logged over 41 hours in the tank wow during filming that's actually an insane amount of time to be underwater a lot of time to be underwater and they would have like so that they wouldn't have to like let them surface each time because it's like 20 feet deep of water it's a lot of water they would have the scuba crew down there to like let them like breathe Mm -hmm. in between Mm -hmm. takes but i just can't imagine as like a 13 14 year old kid like being comfortable being underwater like that you know like, <laughs> yeah no yeah. i know what you mean it's pretty scary it's so that's so cool i mm-hmm. i i have no qualms with this scene really like i think they do a good job of making it look like really eerie and dark and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. exactly what it would have looked like and um i almost wish like knowing that that we had gotten more of it because yeah me too actually yeah yeah <laughs> And I think the mermaids, like, the special effects on them for 2005 was really well done. Yeah. I agree. And they looked really cool. It was an interesting Mm -hmm. take on the mermaids because it wasn't, like, the cutesy feminine tail with the little shell bra. It was, like, they were, like, scary mermaids. Yeah. Like, they're going to eat you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only one. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I will say a downfall of filming that long is that Dan had two ear infections following filming because he was Oof. underwater for so long. Yeah, not surprised. Mm. But yeah, nah, I thought nice that was pretty cool that it was actually filmed underwater, especially that with like cool. the actors and actresses being so young. Yeah. Do you have any like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, do you have any stats on how long that segment took to film? I imagine that must have took ages. It must have taken a really long time. I mean, the fact that Dan himself was in there for 41 hours um, is almost two full days. And we know that they don't work that long all at once. Mm -hmm. And this movie almost took an entire year to film. So yeah. it had to be quite some time, but I don't know exactly how long that, that portion took. Okay. The shot where you get all of the people that were taken and they're just like floating there, like dead in the water, like that is creepy. It's so, so good. good. Yeah. Those are dummy dolls, though. They didn't actually put the actors. In well, the they still look. Oh, good. okay. I did. I would never have been able to tell. That's yeah. actually really interesting. That is one thing I will say. Like for all of the, although I'm not a fan of the director of this film, he did do a pretty stellar job on like the way that things looked. Mm -hmm. and the way that things were presented and this scene especially is like a really big highlight i think you can tell yeah. they spent a lot of time designing this and making sure that it looked right which it worked that they did that i think mm -hmm. it paid off i think they did a really really good job with this task in particular and it also feels very like it fits the world that's mm -hmm. something i think all the tasks the last task, not so much, but I guess we'll get to that next. But the first two yeah. tasks, they do feel like something that belongs in a, a world of magic. You know, you have dragons and you have weird mermaid people and whatever. So good job. I'm, I'm really I'm really pleased with the first two tasks, just from like a, a law perspective, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So it's really interesting that we as a whole – do not appreciate like Mike Newell and some of the decisions he made because he's the first British director we have. That's yeah. true because it was Christopher was what's his Chris last Columbus. Name? Yeah, he did the first American. two, right? Yeah, and then you had Alfonso for Prisoners. Yep, he's South American. So this and... is our first British director, which is interesting that they were so strict about the cast being mm -hmm. British or at least European. And then for the directors, they're like, ah, oh, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because they were they wanted <laughs> Steven Spielberg to originally do it, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah, that, I never yeah. thought about that, actually. Well, our boy Mike does a pretty good job with the first two tasks, but let's talk about the third one because <laughs> mm -hmm. it changes a bit. In my personal opinion. So. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. The, they just spent no time on it. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's over and done within like five minutes. And they make out that this is like the worst and the hardest and the craziest one. Like, this is gonna be insane. And it's like, what happens? Nothing. Like Harry a couple comes of bushes. Unscathed. <laughs> yeah, like some bushes stick together. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's so like, the third and I, I, Sorry. Oh, no. So the third and final task takes our champions into the maze. Dumbledore mm. warns the group, for whatever reason, that people change in the maze. And Harry quickly learns the truth of that sentiment when he enters the maze and begins searching for the cup. 
And we get no Sphinx. He very quickly finds the cup as well. Yeah, and, and the maze is huge. It looks yeah. like it's really big. So it's like, <laughs> all right, mate, like, talk about, uh, what's it called? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Come back to Imagine. me. <laughs> For this being that's the it, yeah. end of them, like, they didn't spend enough time on it because the maze could have been really cool. I think about movies cool. like Labyrinth that are, like, mm-hmm. completely made around mazes. Like, they 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 did it injustice, in my opinion. Like, it was I just agree. over. As I was watching it, I was like, that's it? That's that's all we get out of this what? maze? That's, like, the scariest task? Like, what is this? And, Lewis, what you were saying before about the first two feeling, like, really magical, like, mm-hmm. this one, you don't get, like, it's supposed to be full of magical creatures, of dementors, sphinxes, bogarts, like, who knows what, and we get literally just like a thorns or crumb. yeah <laughs> imperious crumb and a screaming floor just like running around in circles for whatever reason she's supposed to be a cool badass witch and they made her this like meek little annoying girl yeah <laughs> yeah they yeah, it's supposed to be that like she's cool and then the only reason she like gets out so quick is because Moody bewitches Crumb and Pierce is him to go attack her. And so she's not like seeing it coming basically. Yeah. Not that she's like running around screaming. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly like in an ideal world and this is something I hope they do when we get the show is mm-hmm. like spend an hour on it. Like go oh, yeah. crazy, yes. Go off the wall crazy. Make some stuff up that just feels like it fits with some creatures or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. just if you're gonna sell it as like this is everything's been building up to this, and then just brush over it really that fast. No, spend Make a long have time to overcome on overcome something. Like he mm-hmm. didn't have to do anything. All he did was like save Fleur and save yeah. Rum. Yeah, and save that's it. Like that's all he does is hate people. Yeah, save yeah. Cedric and acts like he's not going to. What? <laughs> Harry would what never was... have not saved Cedric. Yeah, that is so crazy. Like to think that he would like be looking for the glory. I don't know. Harry didn't want the glory. That's like the whole no. point of. <sighs> yeah, he was just but... trying to make it out. It should have been Cedric that said, let's take it together. Harry should have been telling Cedric, like, you take the cup. Like, you take it. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. And it should have been yep. Cedric saying, no, let's do it together. It shouldn't have been I'm Harry. Like, you said that. Because I think that's exactly what's supposed to happen. That's exactly, yeah. like... He messed and up it, on that one. Harry's character. That that's... Like, Harry wouldn't have wanted it. Harry would have been like, this no. is yours. Like, you take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Harry's last, saving they... everyone makes sense. That part does make sense. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. him, like, fighting Cedric, he would have just let Cedric have it. Like, just let him have it mm-hmm. at that point. Just be like, no, you go. You take it. You deserve it. You've won every task up until this point. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it makes no difference. Like, <laughs> you go for it, son. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I also think Harry saves everyone a little bit too, like, easily. easily. Like, he's very much a Mary Sue in that part mm-hmm. of the movie. Like, at least in the first two tests, like, you see that struggle and you see all of the stuff that even still went into him trying to figure out how he was going to attack the tasks. But then you get to this last one. He does a left and a right, a zap, zap, and then he's like, right, we're done here. Let's go. 
<laughs> <Think about laughs> so much, i know they could have spent so much time on it if they had split this movie into two parts that would have been so mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. but alas cedric and harry touch the cup together and they're transported to the graveyard and this was a cool scene mm -hmm. very yeah. well done mm -hmm. yeah so first before we really get into it wormtail kills cedric like immediately so sad i know yeah i didn't see it coming either from memory when i first watched it like i was hoping maybe they'd like duel it out but they didn't even give him a chance yeah he just gets like killed instantly like, send he? him back tell him to take the port <laughs> key like <laughs> i mean go warn everyone but they're like nope you're dead yeah tell the world that the dark lord is back that that should have been what it was. They shouldn't have killed him. And then to show him dead, that is like really dark for a kid's movie. Yeah. I get yeah. that this one's PG-13, but like that is so dark. That's the first time you see a dead person in the series. I love that they did it so fast because it's mm -hmm. shocking. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. That is the thing, yeah. I, I was just going to say um, what you were saying, Liz, about how it's the first time you see it, even at the start of the film when they're in the house and um, – they see the guy looking and they use Avada Kedavra. It mm -hmm. cuts before you actually see the spell mm -hmm. like hit him. And it's almost like they were setting you up for you to see that actually happen come the end. Mm -hmm. And that was really the shift, I think. Like By the time you get to the end of Goblet of Fire, everything onwards, they were like, right, we're going to go as adult as we can with like that age rating now. And you really do feel that shift once like Voldemort's introduced. Yeah. yeah. Imagine too being like a young Robert Pattinson and they're like portraying your death on screen. Like that's that's hard too. Mm -hmm. Cuz he was a kid when they yeah. filmed this. Yeah. Sometimes I forget like how young everybody was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when yeah. cuz these films did actually come out quite a while ago and it just it doesn't feel like that and you think of the actors now you almost imagine like 30 year old Daniel Radcliffe like playing the role. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh no, wait, he is actually like 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to plot point number six Voldemort returning. Harry has found himself, himself in a mysterious graveyard. Cedric has just been killed by Wormtail, and Wormtail is holding something bad. It's the current form of Lord Voldemort who, as Wormtail brews the resurrection potion and reads the ritual, comes back to life in full power. And he cuts off his own hand. Ugh. Like, that was pretty pretty gnarly, to be fair. Really gnarly. But he's committed, I'll give him that. <laughs> he's like a full follower of Voldemort mm -hmm. at this point. Like, there's not even any denying. Like, he can't say, like, oh, Voldemort made me do it. Like, he did all of that on his own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's very devout to the cause and like, essentially clearly. gave harry the dark mark too yeah yeah i really like this scene i think mm -hmm. there's so much in it we'll talk about it but i think it's all pretty well done and it's one of those scenes where like you can't take your eyes off it you're like oh my gosh can't believe this is all happening right now I like completely forgot too that they pretty much show like Voldemort's rebirth. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. and it I looked didn't grim, too. It looked really yeah. fucking creepy. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that being in the film. <laughs> yeah, the reveal of Ralph Fiennes as Voldemort is so cool, too, where they, mm-hmm. like, turn around, like, the cameras go around him, and then you see him, like, touching his face and, like, he in the eyes. And his eye- like, he, like, closes oh. his eyes. You see his slits for nose, and then he opens his eyes. Oh, oh, it's so gosh. good. And they, they do such a good end. job because obviously, like, from the start of the series, like, it's ingrained in your head. Voldemort is not your average wizard. Like, this guy Mm-mm. can do some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when you see him for the first time in this scene, I really do think you feel the gravity of what's just happened. And you're like, oh, shit, this is all about to go down very yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say is why the heck do the Death Eaters have a smoky entrance? Like, I have some questions about that whole portion too. Because like, yeah, does is Voldemort just like calling all of his servants in? Is that what happened there? Or like, yeah, how so did what they happens all is Voldemort, when he touches his dark mark, anybody who has the dark mark like gets called. So that's mm-hmm. why earlier in the movie, you get the scene where Karkaroff is like, talking to snape and he's like my mark like i can feel it like you i know you can feel it too like they can tell that like voldemort is alive and like getting stronger so they're not like comparing their dark marks they're talking about hey he's probably here yeah because i assumed like like, in that scene that they were that he was like i'll show you mine if you show me yours (laughs) i hate that that's actually so funny (laughs) i know yeah i hate that um no, he just calls them with the dark mark, and then they are supposed to just like apparate and appear there. So, so. Snape and this, whatever the guy's name is, starts with K. They don't get called because they're no longer followers. Is that how that they works? Do they do get called, but they don't show up. So mm-hmm. Snape gets oh. called, but he purposefully doesn't go, and the re and he doesn't go because he's his cover is that he's covering as a teacher like he's covering on Dumbledore's side and so Voldemort like gives him a pass says like of course you couldn't have left because you would have blown your cover same Mm. thing but then he's a double agent yeah but Kargroff was just like too uh cowardice to show up so that's why Mm -hmm. he doesn't go Mm -hmm. they didn't explain any of that no but you do get the um priori and cantatum which is pretty cool. I didn't That's realize when... that was a special thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because the wand cores are the same. So yes. So when the wands touch, what happens is you see the last people that Voldemort has killed coming out of the wand. That makes sense. Yeah, I mm-hmm. realized it was the people he had killed, but... I just assumed because the only time we see a duel like that where like the wands connect is with Harry and Voldemort. I just assume that's like how duels work. I, I could see why you'd think that actually. Because it happens later too. It happens later in the series as well. Yeah. What I never understood though when it comes to the, the dueling is, and I mean maybe like it's, it's a small, it's a, a nitpick, but Voldemort's using literally the death spell and Harry is able to deflect that with a spell that makes you disarm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
That's something that's bothered me throughout the whole series, though, to be fair. It should have been yeah, a different and- spell. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have made it a different spell. It had to be that like spell because that's spell. that was like Harry's thing. I think the qualm is like with the writing, with J.K. Rowling's writing. Like she should have given Harry something more fun than Expelliarmus. The spell but- that everybody uses in a duel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. Like if you're in the way that I would have approached it is if you're fighting literally, arguably the most powerful wizard in existence at the time. And he's using a spell that literally will kill you instantly. Like you want to be using something that's equally as like powerful. Because you, you see other wizards uh, more so later on in the film, like Dumbledore, for example, when he fights Voldemort, he starts pulling out some crazy spells. And you never really see Harry do anything like that. And I understand like, fair enough, yeah. he's, a, he's a student, but it's like surely of all the spells that you've learned, the disarming spell isn't going to be the one that you go for. I don't know. Very small nitpick, but... The only thing I'll say is Harry's young. He's 14 years old. He hasn't really used... Like, they. what they don't show in this movie is him, like, preparing for the maze and, like, learning a bunch of spells. Like, he mm-hmm. spends, like, months, like, learning and practicing, like, all these different spells, and they never show that. But, like... He doesn't – I think it's just almost to show, like, the goodness in Harry's heart. Like, he doesn't have it in him to, like – To attack someone. To attack someone. And and you have to be, like, really hateful to use one of the dark spells. And so – Harry does – I don't think Harry has that in him to do. So I think they have, they have to use a spell like Expelliarmus to show that, like, at this point, Harry really is just, like, defending himself. And it's innocent. Like, it's very mm-hmm. innocent. That's yeah. fair. When you put it like that, that is actually that's a good way to look at it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And props to him for being strong enough to even fend off Voldemort in the first place. Yeah, what the heck is that? How I is think that? <laughs> the way that I justified it is obviously at the time we don't know that Harry is a Horcrux, but I think because they have that connection, it's almost like in a sense Voldemort's fighting a part of himself. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I look at it. But you know, Voldemort like has to know that Harry like houses part of his soul right and that if harry dies oh. part of him dies no he doesn't know no doesn't how know. does he not know he's just like all knowing like all powerful being like how is that intentional yeah because yeah because obviously like when he's doing the horcruxes throughout his life he's picking and choosing where he's putting them purposefully to make it difficult for anyone to find them and destroy them when it comes to harry it was just pure chance that his mum used you know her, the spell she did and that is what saved harry's life and then that's why a part of voldemort's soul went into harry because if he had known he wouldn't have killed harry at the end of in deathly hallows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because it's when harry figures that out obviously the whole he purposefully goes to get killed so it's just an oversight from voldemort that just kind of does show you like he's almost arrogant with his confidence of how powerful he is that he just completely overlooked this one small thing yeah and liz we'll talk (laughs) about it next next movie but um dumbledore never gets the prophecy which would have told him that information right so he never really figures out like the key to the fact that him and harry are connected that makes sense yep Mm -hmm. okay 
Anything else about the graveyard scene before we move on? No, I'm ready to talk about Moody. Okay. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so Harry, Cedric's body in tow, takes the portkey back to the entrance of the maze to the celebrating crowd who is in for a nasty surprise. Voldemort is back. Harry is distraught. Dumbledore is there, but Mad-Eye takes Harry under his wing away from the scene. As soon as he locked that door, I was like, bro. Yeah. So before that, we need to talk about the scene when they arrive, because I think this is one of the best scenes in the film when Mm -hmm. they got the music playing. There's like the like trumpets kind of blasting. And then everybody realizes like, oh, shit, Cedric is dead. It's I think it's really emotional. I've got goosebumps thinking about it. It's a good scene. It's a very, very good scene. It was really well shot. Mm -hmm. Like. Because you know, you as the audience know what's happened and you get to like watch the audience there like slowly realize yeah, what's happened. Because they're all celebrating, aren't they? And then it's like heartbreaking. you it see that moment where they realize that there's a dead guy mm-hmm. and it's Cedric yeah. and then all of a sudden it's not fun and games anymore. Yeah. And then the scene of his dad, like... My boy! That's my boy. Um, it's probably the best That's acting in the whole film, I'll be honest. Yeah. No. Yeah. That one small I think, scene. I kind of like Harry's acting in this moment too. I think some people don't mm-hmm. like it, but I think it's pretty good. It's, I think it's, it's pretty believable good too. of like that's how he would have reacted to the situation, like still trying to protect him, even though he knows that they're in that they are in safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like it's just shock. Obviously, like he's just seen his friend, well, I guess his friend die. He's just found out that Voldemort's back, and he's also just had a fight with Voldemort. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's coming back into that room with a million things going on in his mind at once. Lots and of I questions. Do... Yeah, and he, I think Radcliffe done a really good job, like especially considering his age of like of getting that across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So then Moody Stella takes, scene. I agree, Ooh. great scene. <laughs> Moody takes Harry away, which is really significant. I don't think they explain that super well, but that's how Dumbledore knows that something's wrong with Moody is because Dumbledore says like, Harry, you stay here. And he knows that like no Hogwarts teacher would take Harry away if he said that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, then we get Moody taking Harry into his office. This is the scene where is this the scene where we find out that he's not actually moody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love that transformation. I think it is so gross, but it's so it it's so good to watch at the same time. That whole that and then I'm just trying to remember this scene. I'm a bit like going blank on this one. Yeah, so what happens is Harry walks in and Moody's about to kill him basically but yes. then the teachers dumbledore mcgonagall snape Break they the all come down. in <laughs> that's it and yeah they give snape gives alistair um veritaserum and then dumbledore interrogates him into basically admitting that he's not the real mad eye that mad eye is in the room in the trunk and then he runs out of polyjuice potion and we see him like turn back into very timely turn back into barty crouch jr 
Okay, so I do have something to say on this scene. So, and, and this is more like a book to film difference. Okay. What What I like about this scene is Dumb the, the way that Dumbledore like comes in the room, like all gangsta ready to like slay some people for Harry's <laughs> sake. But in the book, it's much more effective because up until that point in the story. We've only ever seen Dumbledore as like this calm, collected, like wise dude. And then yeah. this is the point where Harry's like, he is, he don't take shit. Like he is a badass. He's going to, and it's much more effective in the book than I thought it was in the film because we already see him kicking off and being moody like earlier on in the film. Yeah. So although like it's still cool when he comes in and he's ready to throw hands, like it would have been more effective if he'd have been still calm and collected up until that point and then we just see that explosion I think yeah. it would have been so much better yeah I totally agree and that's kind of what I was saying before with like they don't do a good job of explaining it but Dumbledore says like when Harry arrives like Harry stay here within my sight like do not leave because he knows like mm -hmm. something is wrong like somebody transported Harry to that graveyard like something is bad and so when Moody like defies that and takes Harry away, Dumbledore's like, shit, something is bad, 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 bad. And that's when you see him like freak out. And so mm -hmm. you're totally right, Lewis. Like it would have been so cool to have that exact scene, but with him having been calm, like up until that point, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would have been so good. But at least, um, at least we get that scene in general. Yeah, because it is a scene. very good scene, and uh, the uh, the performance is pretty much. I'll be honest; like from that point onwards, the performances are like almost like it's almost like they dialed it up to eleven, and they're like, "All right, there's a lot of emotion now to the to yeah. close this out." Mm -hmm. So everyone's just like swinging for the fences. I think yeah. Yeah. what would have been really neat, and I I know that like for longevity of the series, this couldn't have happened. But after Harry, like, says, like, the Goblet Support Key, why didn't all of the teachers and, like, experienced wizards, like, hop in there and go and, like, duel Voldemort right then? And the oh, I'm sure years. he was long gone by then. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah. It's one of them things in it where, like, you kind of just have to, like, make that assumption yourself. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, I think if they'd have went there, they would have been gone, in all honesty. Yeah, that's true. Way to hiding. Yeah, probably too. Like, they wouldn't have just wanted to jump in on like a big group of Death Eaters. Also, like, I don't. Every time they they go up in subsequent films to face the Death Eaters, like it's really a dangerous task. So I don't mm -hmm. think like and Dumbledore was distracted with like holy shit, Harry's gone. So I think they had like other stuff going on. They have to deal with that later, basically. And they also like who's going to look after the kids, you know? Like, yeah. imagine all the strong wizards go, oh, it was a trap, and now all the wizards, the, you know, the Death Eaters come in and do whatever. But True. So then we get the end of the movie, Dumbledore's mm -hmm. speech, and this, like, weird scene at the end with Harry, Ron, and Hermione about everything changing. <laughs> and one thing is left out of the end of the book or end of the movie that I thought would have been good um, mm -hmm. so Harry actually gets winnings for winning the Triwizard Tournament. He gets like a thousand mm -hmm. galleons or something. And mm -hmm. in the book, he gives it all to Fred and George to start their joke shop. 
So it's never explained in the series like how they get funding for the next movie. That's really cute. That is. Yeah. It makes me mad that they miss that. I know. How do y'all feel about the end of the movie? Because it's different than a lot of the other endings. It's a lot darker. And like in when this book came out, The Goblet of Fire, this was the the book where people had to wait three years between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix to come out. And so like Goblet of Fire like ends on a cliffhanger, right? Because Voldemort has now come back and everything's about to change. And then you have to like wait till the next one to find out what happens. I personally like it because when you look at say the first the first few, they always round off nicely that like they go to the school, there's something they gotta deal with that year. It usually takes the whole school year to sort it out. Mm-hmm. The, at the end they sort it out, everyone's happy, they go home for the summer. In this one, you're left with okay, like from this point onwards, it's not going to just be about going to school and learning spells anymore. Like the Dark Lord is back. Like this is going to change everything. And so it's such a nice setup, especially when you're four films or four books into a story. And then at that point, you're cranking it up tenfold and saying to people, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. Like this thing we've been teasing for four books is here and now like you know we're about to go off the rails so i personally love it in all honesty i thought the portrayal was super cheesy and i don't know if that was like emma watson's delivery or the way that like she's just off by herself like like hermione is so much smarter than that she's not gonna be like everything's gonna change now (laughs) i don't know it was just weird and like whiny and like i think it would have been much better received if they're if they were like sitting around together being like like just kind of like looking at each other like they don't have to say anything but just being like like we don't get to be kids anymore like this is yeah now kind of thing yeah i think elizabeth i agree with you i think it was that line in particular was cheesy. I think the speech from Dumbledore was really good, pretty effective mm-hmm. to get you in like the right emotional tone. So I think the tone yeah. was right. I think the execution and the dialogue was a little weird from the trio. Mm-hmm. So that's my only qualm there. Yeah. yeah, I can see that actually now you say that. Like it I know, Lewis, I time. feel like we're like ruining this movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's just, it's, this is why I wanted to do this one because it's nice to like you what this when something's such an integral part of your life, mm-hmm. you watch it with rose tinted glasses on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I watch these films from a place of like nostalgia and like how they made me feel when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I've got older and I move into more of being a film critic, you know, so to speak, it's interesting. And it make it does make me look at this film as a whole, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this isn't the film that I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a good thing, to be honest. Yeah, and you can still love something even though it's not perfect. Like, 100%. 100%. we can sit here and say like these are the things that are like quote unquote bad about this movie, or that we would have done differently. But at the end of the day, like we still love the movie, so yeah. it's like. 
it's all just like looking at the movie and talking about it, but not it gets me it gets me amped for the hbo series because they have so much potential to like fix all these things that were really different difficult in film adaptations and Mm -hmm. now they have the time to like delve into all these subplots and and all these characters that got omitted from this film but we have this new opportunity to like make it right and thank God it's HBO. Like, if any other studio had, had like, got the rights, I think I would have been a bit worried. Mm-hmm. But they have such a good track record. Like, you know it's going to be at least an eight or above, you know? Yeah. Yep. But, but then again, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. <laughs> We're going to find out one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up, is there anything that we forgot to discuss about this movie? Uh, I have one thing. It's like kind of like just something I found funny and I was meant to say it when we was talking about the, um, the graveyard scene. Yeah. It's the line. I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's when Dumbledore's like asking Harry to fight him. He's like, go, go get your wand. Mm -hmm. Like he like proper wants to like have this fight with him to prove himself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you are the Dark Lord and you're trying to big yourself up in front of your mates by fighting a 14-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I yeah, just and find he's like, that so helped. funny. Yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. Like, I got this, boys. <laughs> it was so funny. I just wanted to pick that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah and he tries is... to act like he's all proper. He's like, don't turn your back to me and <laughs> like square up. Like, like I know yeah. you had a duel and whatever. And it's like, all right, like... You don't have to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally agree. One other thing I forgot to bring up is right before the maze begins, you see everybody like prepping to go in and you see Amos Diggory with Cedric. And there's actually a flub that I noticed. I've never noticed mm-hmm. it before this watch, but they do a voiceover of Amos saying like, my boy, but his mouth never moves. It's like, he, his mouth is Weird. closed and they like voiceover. Yeah. It's like a post editing <laughs> thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was funny. All right. So that wraps up our discussion. Mm-hmm. Lewis, we need to know. Um, mm-hmm. We've been asking our guests for every episode do you have a favorite piece of magic from this film? From this film in particular? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the spell is called because I don't know if they... I I know they definitely don't mention it in the film. They might do in the book and I just can't remember. But whatever spell or magic ingredient that Crom uses to turn into a shark, like I want that tomorrow. yeah. (laughs) That's definitely my favorite. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to get to be a shark, like, come on, that would that be so shocking. fun. Like, the first time you see that, you're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't think they ever really explain that very well. Even on the, like, Harry Potter wiki, I'm not seeing an answer, so. <laughs> oh, there you go, then. Magic. Clearly some super, like, secret, powerful magic. <laughs> yep. Liz, do you have a favorite cool. piece of magic? I liked the port keys. I thought that was a really neat addition. Yeah. And like I sets agree. it up for like use in the future and all that stuff, which is cool. Yeah. I think those are those are really cool. And I like how they're brought into the beginning and the end of the movie. Like I think it makes mm-hmm. it come kind of full circle as a bit of magic. Yeah. 
That was a good choice. Um, and then we'll skip the magical creature just for sake of time. But do y'all have a favorite character in this film? Ooh, in this film. I do have a soft spot for Cedric. I don't know what it is. He's not even really in it that much. He doesn't even really do anything. But he just looks cool when he's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. I got back my house, you know. (laughs) I was about to say, do I have a favorite character? (laughs) It's got to be Cedric. He, man, did they pick like the best actor to play him or what? Like, yeah. He does look the part, yeah. 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 I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> Love you, our pets. <laughs> well, I think that brings us to the rating of the movie. So, Lewis, we'll let you rate the movie first. And as a reminder, we rate all of our movies through Letterboxd, zero to five stars with half star increments. So... I don't think anyone's going to probably be surprised to hear this, to be honest, but I gave it a five star. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is there loads of plot holes? Absolutely. (laughs) But this film and like, I rated all of them five stars. I'm just going to put that out there now. Like all all eight of them, because I just love them. Like they're the sort, they are what movies are all about. Like Mm -hmm. you go and you get transported to this world and you just have a good time and you lose yourself in it and they're fun and they feel magic. I think that to me personally, there's only a couple of franchises or films that feel like magic and Harry Potter is one of them, which is fitting because it's about wizards. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just, I have to give it full marks. Like I, it's all about, I rate a film on how I feel when I watch it. As and you I've, should. I've watched these films so many times and I never lose that sense of magic and that fun that I have when I watch them. So I'm have to, yeah, going to have to round it out on a perfect five. Love that. Love that too. Liz? <laughs> I also gave this one five stars. Yes. I had wow. so much fun watching it. <laughs> um, I still, okay, so this is going to shock you, Lewis, but um. I think the Chamber of Secrets might be my favorite of the whole series. Nah, that's fair. That's probably my second <laughs> favorite. It's a good and one. Yeah, a so good this movie. one's like up there with that one. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It helps that my boy Robert's in there. <laughs> and yeah, it's just fun. It's like very, like you were saying before, very magical, very like takes you out of the real world and into the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Like I, I just... I just can't imagine like how they would immerse you more than this this film does. So five Hell out of yeah. five. Love. Um, I give this movie a four out of five stars. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good film. I have qualms with some of the line delivery and the choppiness and the way like I understand that they have to cut plot like over that, I guess, kind of. But I don't like how with the cutting of plot, they kind of change some of the character character portrayal with the, the main trio. So that's mm-hmm. probably the main reason I cut some stars off of this. That's I fair. think you rated it fairly, to be honest. <laughs> Not yeah. as like a blindly <laughs> ignorant bliss as we did. <laughs> I hey, have my ignorant bliss nice movies. ignorance, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so 
we got to check in with the world and see what the world thinks about this now that we've said our piece. So the letterboxed average is a 3.8 out of 5, which is lower than I was expecting, but that's okay. Um, the tomato meter, the critic score is an 88 and the audience score is a 74. IMDb gave it a 7.7 and then 88% of Google users liked the movie. So overall positive, but in my opinion, lower than I think they should be. Yeah, I I agree. I'm quite surprised. (laughs) I think the tomato meter score really shows you kind of like what we talked about in this movie. Like it's a good movie. So the critic score is really high, but the Mm -hmm. audience score is still good, but a bit lower because it loses like a bit of the stuff from the book. Mm-hmm. So, Lewis, you don't know this yet because none of our episodes have come out at this point, but our first guest that we had on for the very first episode has never seen the Harry Potter movies or read the books. And so, what? yeah, I so know. she's our resident Harry Potter newbie. And so we're going to be checking in with her each episode to see what she thinks about each of the movies. So we'll insert that video here now. Hey V Critics, it's Holly and I'm back to give you my review of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Alright, so just like the last few weeks, I'm going to give you my seven key takeaways of this movie and then I will give you guys my rating at the end. Um, So to start off, my first takeaway from this movie, I was in no way prepared in no way prepared for Robert Pattinson to star in this movie. I know that Liz and Cor love Rob Pattinson. They are big fans. Holly is not. (laughs) I am not a big fan. So when I saw him come on the screen, I about fell out my chair. It was just funny. And I know this was like before the Twilight Times and all that. But it was just, it was just very funny to me. I just was not expecting that. It was like a guest star that just took me away. Anyway, um, hilarious. I mean, casting wise, how he did acting. I mean, whatever. He was fine. But knowing who he is now, it cracked me up. If I had a, like probably watching this before he was like a big Twilight guy, um, I probably would have been like, whatever, but it, it, it was funny. Um, okay. My second takeaway was the, um, the girls school, the, I think they were the Bo Battens, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, I loved them nowhere during this time so far at no point did I like consider that there might be other like magic schools I don't know if I just missed that concept or if it just never clicked with me so I really liked that they introduced some other magic schools um in this movie and especially the Bobatons because I would 1000% that would be my school I loved them I loved their entrance I loved their outfits I loved just I loved them I would be one of those girls if I was in this wizarding world. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, Going off of that, kind of 
going with like the three schools thing um <laughs> when they like did their introductions and the girls came in and danced and then the um the boys school did like the scary like chants or whatever and then Dumbledore was like let's sing our school song and then they were like Hogwarts Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts or whatever the words were I was like first of all could not have been a perfect more perfect school song but also I would have been so embarrassed <laughs> it was um yeah it was a little embarrassing but it was um just very fitting of their school and who they are and it was funny because like they kind of like panned to Draco and he is like not singing the words and I was like he's too cool yep or he didn't know the words I don't know but he wouldn't be singing it, and that's kind of funny to me. Um, for my fourth point is the awkward dance that they had, like, the little middle school-style dance that they had to do where they, like, brought dates and everything. Um, that was triggering. That brought back, like, memories when they had to, like, ask the girls to be their dates, and then they were, like, dancing with them, and then it was awkward and weird, and then Ron was mad at Hermione because she went with someone else. That whole thing just brought back a lot of middle school memories for me um i think they did a great job at uh capturing what that's really like it was that was funny uh my fifth takeaway kind of just a general observation it's like hermione's always angry she's always like harry you're so stupid or like ron what are you doing like she's always mad at them kind of like in that like older sister way of like you know, I'm an older sister, so, like, I'm always mad at my, like, younger siblings. Like, why are y'all doing that? I'm not always mad at them, but, you know, she just kind of gives that, like, vibe. And she's always angry with them for good reason. They deserve everything she's saying. She's right. But she's just always angry. And I just, it's an interesting observation. Um, six, I absolutely hated hated the scene with harry and myrtle in the bathtub i really don't know what else to say besides that was like the cringiest most disgusting i hated that scene horrible scene it made me so uncomfortable it was so weird i didn't like that harry he's supposed to be like 14 and they have it in a bathtub and then this girl's like being weird and then like popping bubble I don't I didn't like it I didn't like it weird I don't know if that's like true to this to the books I don't know I didn't like it I didn't like it feel like that would have been a weird scene to shoot maybe feel weird as an adult to watch I didn't like it uh and then seven Ron's hair so I guess this can be like my Ron temp check. We agree Ron's getting better. I think that's like a general consensus. Ron gets better. Um, this movie specifically, I noticed his hair, especially in that like ending scene um, when Hermione's like, are you guys going to write to me or whatever? And they're like, huh, no. Um, Ron's hair was just like so luscious and shiny and silky. And I mean, he had nice hair. Even, like, even if it was gender, I don't even, not even mad about the color. The color was beautiful, too. But, like, it's just, like, nice, thick hair. And I 
hair is important. So, like, I was, Harry's hair is awful. So, I just, he has nice hair. It's improving. Um, so that's my Ron temp check. Uh, on, on related, kind of going along with this, uh, not one of my key seven points, but I do think that Ron and Hermione, I'm still convinced they fall in love. I don't know when. But especially the way that Ron was, like, all mad and, like, jealous about her and that guy. Um, oh, gosh, what was his name? Was it, like, Crumb? Am I making that up? Was that someone else? Like, the guy from, like, the macho guy from, like, the other school. Um, the way she was, like, into him and, like, had a thing with him. Um, I definitely think that Ron and Hermione fall in love eventually. Um, yeah, so those are my takeaways from this movie. I liked this movie. Um, not that I didn't like the other ones. This one just stood out as, like, one that I liked. Um, I don't know why. I feel like I need to watch it, like, eight more times because I missed so much. But, like, it was a good movie. Um, and so with that, I rated it a five out of five. Oh, I can't wait to watch this back and see. That's yeah. so exciting. I'm like very intrigued to see what Holly thinks. <laughs> I'm vicariously through her to see yes. what what she like takes from the movies. Mm -hmm. All right. And now we've got to check in on the Bee Critics Hogwarts House Tournament. So as a reminder, Liz has been tallying up some points during this episode. So the current standing. Yeah, Lewis, you is, didn't know that. But as we were going through the episode, we were giving and taking points from each of the houses based on oh, things okay. that we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So Ravenclaw is in fourth place with 92 points. Slytherin in third with 110. Gryffindor still in second place with 190 <laughs> points. And then Hufflepuff with a good 215 is in first. 215. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right as a reminder for our audience at home you can earn points for your house by commenting on this episode and all of our other harry potter episodes on youtube and telling us what house you're in each episode or each comment you get five points for your house and if you try to cheat we will know if you put more than one comment per episode we'll deduct points if you do that so definitely don't mm -hmm. the winning house will receive bragging rights for the entire year we're also considering making from scratch a cup of sorts to put on display. We'll see. Do <laughs> You've it. said that every episode, so I think you have to at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make a decision before we um before we do the next episode. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think it is time now to sign off and say goodbye to you, Lewis. Um it was, as always, such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Do you want to um, plug your stuff and tell people where to find you? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, thanks again for having me on. It's been a blast. Um, anyone who's watching, if you're interested in hearing what I have to say about other kinds of films, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at movie of the day, followed by two underscores. Yeah, definitely check it out. Like we said already, beautiful posts and it's so fun to read through them too. It's like your whole personality, like <laughs> in a few paragraphs. I absolutely love it. Oh, I actually also will be um, putting my Harry Potter reviews out as these ladies podcasts go live. So you'll be able to hear my thoughts on the previous films as they tell you the thoughts on theirs. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we'll be sure to share those every week as they come out. <laughs> and I'll be doing the same with your podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, Lewis. Thank you bye, so Lewis. much for coming Thanks. on. Bye, guys. Thank you for having me. Bye. And bye, Critics fam. Thanks for tuning into our Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire episode. Leave us a rating, a review. Drop us a comment on YouTube. Make sure you get those points. And leave us an answer to our poll and Q&A section on Spotify. You can find more information about the podcast and our whole podography on our website, becritics.com, or you can find all the things on our link tree in the episode show notes below. Next week, we're discussing, and this is a shocker, but Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And we have a fellow podcaster coming on, Lee, from the Lights, Camera, Rant podcast. This will be our first collaboration with Lee, and we are super excited. Very excited. So be sure to subscribe and follow so that you don't miss it. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. That is it for today. So we will see you all on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.